for my installment for this, uh, my portion for tonight, I take it a little bit personal because uh, what I'm about to tell you guys tonight, it's, uh, it's my life. I told you before, the man is the message, the message is the man. And when Jesus said that he was the bread of life, before bread can be given to the multitude, the grains need to be milled. They need to go through extensive process. Just like Jesus, before he became the bread of life, his life, his body was broken literally. And this message, I've got notes, but what I'll do with you tonight is I'll pour my heart. I always try to give you my heart. I'll give you the word always. But I, I do take this uh, a little bit differently tonight. Uh, <clears throat> I had an epiphany. Epiphany is the word revelation. I had a revelation when we were putting up this tent. And I had a great time working with, with the guys. And I was having a conversation with God. You ever have a conversation with God? Because uh, this place reminded me of one of the locations of the Philippine church. Uh, noisy. Uh, this is nothing. It was up on a second story. Hot. Philippines is hot. Humid. Nasty. Icky. And I said, God, I, I preach in the Philippines. haven't preached in Africa by one of my heart's desires. Uh, uh, preaching in third world countries. Uh, I said, God, why is it then when we preach in these third world countries, we go to these mission trips, we come back to America, you don't feel the power, you don't feel the unction, you don't feel the anointing. In third world countries, they don't have all the amenities. They don't have the nice, comfortable buildings. And one thing that I'm afraid of is uh, we're in this setting and we're jazzed up. It's like, uh, hey, we got the tent revival. No, God is doing something greater. And I believe we're not seeing it. God can touch Pharaoh. He can touch the governor's heart anytime. But could it be that God is doing something in our lives and our hearts? We've got a great opportunity to do something great as we stay under these tents. If we do this right, hear me. If we do this right, God can do something tremendous. Our posture should be just like the heart. The Bible says, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so my heart panteth, uh, my soul panteth after you, Lord. Uh, it's a picture of a deer that is being uh, uh, chased by its captor. Doesn't it feel like that with us? Uh, doesn't the enemy feel like, man, we're, we're being chased? And our soul needs to thirst after God. That should be our posture when we come to this tent. There should be power. There should be prayer. There should be a people seeking the heart of God. So we need revelations. We need answers. You know what a revelation is? To a revelation, it comes from the word reveal. A better word to reveal something is to unveil something. And when you unveil something... You're removing the veil. Uh, Sister Elvira's uh, piano was always there. Whoa. I just unveiled it. I took off the veil. You know what I believe God needs to do? Is he needs to remove the veil from our hearts. Uh, because we're not seeing things. We're praying for revelations. 
The answer has always been there. The keyboard has always been there. God just needs to unveil and remove what is veiling our hearts. What is it? Is the church tired? What's veiled your heart? Is it tiredness? Is it COVID? Is it fear? The abnormality of things? I would like to share to you tonight that God wants to show off. He wants to show off his power, but he needs sacrifice. Where there is sacrifice, there's fire. We need a people that will come to these tents uh, on fire. God, uh, let me be that sacrifice. Uh, God, let me be that one church. Uh, we're going to miss this thing. I'm telling you. Yeah. We're not just going to have services in the parking lot. That's not the point of this whole thing. We're here to seek the mind of God. We're here to ask God, reveal what has been there. You know when they find out the antidote for this uh, COVID, it's been there. It just has to be revealed, unveiled. Amen. Nothing new under the sun. So takes, this takes me to our study tonight. My portion tonight is in a subject that's rather, um, it's gotten a bad rap. <laughs> it's submission. When you hear the word submit, it's like, whoa, people cringe. It's like, whoa, submit. Wow, New Harvest is still preaching that? You guys are, these are our foundations. Some are already getting flashbacks. Just the word submit, submission. It's like, whoa. Wasn't that one of the main issues? Wasn't that the, 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 the match that ignited the whole fire with uh, George Floyd? It was about submission. The principle of submission, submitting, is a great, great truth. It's a great concept. If once again we can get this revelation, if we can get this unveiling uh, in our hearts, uh, because there are people, you know, you say submission, like, whoa, don't go there. Submission takes you and I to the right path, depending on how or who we are submitted to. Submission can open passion. It can open great things. Uh, the destiny of our fellowship, the destiny of your life, the destiny of your marriage uh, will be dependent on the revelation that we need to be submissive once again. What submitting is not, uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have a voice. It doesn't mean that you're a puppet. It does not mean that you're a simple yes, sir, yes, ma'am. It goes further than that. Submitting in the right manner, with the right heart, with the right intentions is a very, very spiritual thing. We see this in Jesus' life. What does it mean to be submissive? To be submissive means to follow the example of Jesus Christ and to have the mindset of a servant. Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ exemplified submission. His will was submitted to, to his Father's will. 
There's no greater example of submission than Christ. Because of his unselfish and a life of submission to the will of the Father, empowered through his submission to the Holy Spirit, we have hope, we have salvation, we have riches in heaven. Heaven is awaiting us because Jesus, uh, he submitted uh, his will to the Father. Submission is not a bad thing. Submission goes further than that. Submit, woman. Like, whoa. It's like, like I said, some of y'all are getting like Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 8, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Another translation says, uh, have the same attitude as Christ. You know what attitude is? Y'all got attitude. You know what attitude is? It's a mindset. Have you ever seen people that have the attitude? They think they're all that in a bag of chips, but they're not. It's a mindset. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. The point behind submitting and the design of submitting is it is to give honor to one another. That's the point. That's the design of submission. You're giving honor to one another when you submit to them or someone. You're actually giving that person honor. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The objective of submitting is to place the other people's needs first, their wishes before your very own. It's not about, hey, woman, submit. It's about placing their needs, their wishes before our own. And this needs to be revealed within our hearts again. Philippians 2, 3, 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is the idea behind submission. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When our posture of submission is there, what we're actually saying is, man, I value you. I value your wishes. That's the idea behind submission. And this needs to be, I don't have any more veils. <laughs> Revealed once again in our hearts. Titus 3. Chapter 3, 1 to 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. To submit also means to walk in the Spirit. Hear me. To be very, Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, 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 be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, it results into the transformation of a new man and a new woman. 
hear me, great things take place in our walk with God as we surrender and allow the fruits of the Spirit to mature us in our lives. To be submitted means to walk in the Spirit. When a person is submitted to the Spirit, the Spirit can take those who can, who he can move to greater levels. I'm going to pour out of the grindings of my heart and please uh, do not, do not, do not, not donut, do not do this unless you're comfortable in the giftings that God has given you. How you have submitted yourself uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. For those who may not know me, I've had this passionate love affair with the Holy Spirit. I've been chasing after the mantle since I was a young man. I've fasted. I've prayed. I've sought after the mantle. Isn't it funny that we only fast the uh, beginning of the year? Fasting is a lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. I just don't do it when uh, I've been led by the Spirit of God to go into some deep, intense. My son knows it. I live that. I've been passionate about the Holy Spirit from a very young age. It's a hungering. It's a pursuit. It's a love affair. And your hunger for God is the length of your reach for Him. If you're hungry for God, man, I'm telling you, that's your length of reach. You can reach God. And that's what we need today. We need a people that will be hungry for God. They'll come to this tent and say, God, bring the fire down. God is submitting to the Holy Spirit. To His will. It's not a matter of what is in us? I mean, what did he read? It's a matter of who is in us. Again, do not do this. I caught a wave in one of our northern California, in our, one of our sessions in the Northern California uh, conference several years back. And again, do not, I, I, don't mess this up. What God wants to do. As Pastor Art's uh, assistant, <clears throat> I was one of those, one of my duties were to just, after the third speaker in the morning conference, uh, dismiss them for donuts. How many like donuts? Third speaker's done. I go up there, and uh, all I needed to say was uh, donut time, and people would have been dismissed. Uh, but I caught a wave. It's like when you are under the DMS power, you catch a wave. The unction comes upon me. You guys uh, remember King Saul? He's go he went looking for his father's uh, uh, donkey, but then the Spirit of God came upon him. And uh, don't do this unless uh, you're comfortable in the giftings. We all have giftings. God just hasn't, it's there. He just haven't, hasn't been revealed. I'm there, and I just needed to just dismiss the crowd. Unction comes upon me. And I said, well, guys, I really feel this is what God wants to do. And I'm moving in the gifts, man. I'm moving in the spirit. I'm submitted, been submitted to the spirit for a long time. I know when the spirit is leading me. And I said, well, you know, you guys can go get the donuts if you want. Uh, but I feel this is what God wants to do. And I'm telling you, people responded. They started coming to the altar. And then I'm led by the spirit again. <laughs> to say other things, and man, I'm telling you, things are starting to fall, and, and, and the, 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 the glory of God, you know what the word glorious is? The word kabod. The word kabod means heavy, 
weighty. And then it started to get heavy and weighty over there. And people just started repenting. People were just uh, uh, in the presence of God, in the kabad of God. Uh, you know, that altar call went, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, donut time is 20 minutes. We went about 30 minutes just in the altar. And we're beginning to move again. The Spirit of God is leading me. I'm saying things like, OMG, Lord, what are you doing to me? I'm saying things under the unction of the Spirit, uh, and this is what God has wanted to uh, uh, take out of your life. Uh, and I'm telling them things, hey, amen, the river is flowing. Oh, man, I, I'm catching that wave, baby. I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wave. And don't you think for one minute that my mind and the devil was messing me. If you've ever been to the Northern California churches, leadership, leadership pastors to the right, uh, my pastor friends to the left, and I'm thinking, oh, George, you are in such big trouble. You're going to get pulled in the back. You just don't know what you're doing. But I'm comfortable because I've submitted myself to the Spirit. It's a love affair. We were there not exaggerating, not embellishing. We were at the altar, at least 30, 40, I think it was going to go to about an hour. And like, man, this thing is just so heavy. The kabod is just so weighty. It's like, how do you stop this thing? Like, I started it. I don't know how to stop it. And then leadership pastors over here. And finally, you know, after an hour, altar call, guys. Forget the donuts. We were having manna. Pastor Robert comes and, he comes and he says, well, guys, uh, I think we're done. You can't go behind the anointing. What gifts do you have that has been veiled? It's there. Oh, it's been there. But it takes a passion. To go and seek and search. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. We just don't fast in the beginning of the year. We need to be fasting right now. We need to be seeking the mind of God right now. God, unveil. What is going on here? And it takes some people that will be submitted. Submission means to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. In summary, to be submissive is not to be a doormat. It doesn't mean you're spineless. It doesn't mean you're a person with no opinions uh, or to lose one's self-identity. On the contrary, you find your identity when you submit to God. Jesus Christ is our example in his life. We see the balance of one who became a servant, yet he also spake, spoke rather with authority and active, acted decisively. To be submissive is to know exactly who you are. Children of children and beloved, uh, uh, children of God, uh, of great worth to God. Submissiveness is obedience to authority motivated by an inner transformation made possible through the power of, again, like I say, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Young man, young woman, you're going to follow somebody. You're going to follow a, fat, a fashion or something one way or another. Why don't you follow and be submissive to the Holy Spirit? Because we need 
We need some Holy Ghost, Spirit-led people. It's great. Uh, I'd like to say this. Uh, man, it's great. to we, we have a platform. I'm not knocking the platform. Don't misconstrue what I say. It's great when you have great pipes. You know, there's people that can sing. Uh, man, uh, it's great when you have great pipes, uh, but it's even greater when you have the anointing uh, upon your life. Uh, we just don't need singers. Uh, we need worshipers. There's a big difference. You can sing. You can have the pipe. But man, when you're anointed, when you're under, under the unction of the Spirit, that's what we need, especially in the day and age that we live in. Amen. What are some of the enemies of submissiveness? One of them is rebellion against authority. In our fallen Adamic nature that has a certain bent, all of us have this certain bent. We have this uh, inclination and a propensity. It's a leaning towards rebellion. Isn't this what happened with Lucifer? Book of uh, Isaiah 14, 13, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Uh, it's that thing where people say, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to answer to anyone. Uh, nobody tells me that kind of tude, that attitude. It's something that we have to constantly fight. In the landscape of our society today, man, people say we're just going to have a peaceful pro protest. And then what do they end up doing? They're looting, they're burning, because we have this bent, we have this propensity to fall into this rebellion against authority. Contrast that to the nature of a servant willing to be just like Jesus Christ. Another thing is a power struggle. There are people, they just, they're just so competitive. Is this thing where I win, you lose attitude. I want to be the boss. Let me bring it to you guys' you, you, you generation. I'm so jealous of your generation. I, I am, guys. I, I don't know if I'm hating on it or just jealous. It's like, you know when there's baby reveals nowadays? It's like, how many baby reveals can you do? How many ways can you do it? You've got the baseball thing. They throw the baseball. The brother hits it, and it's like if it's pink, it's blah, blah, blah. Pink is bay, it's a girl. Uh, if it's blue, it's a boy. And then, you know, they up that again. And it's like they got the birthday cake. They have the slam dunk. You guys know what I mean. It's like, well, you know, when my kids were born, I go, hey, burn. See that picture right there? Boy. When summer came, girl. But then it's this, I'm going to up you up. I'm going to up, up you. I'm going to be better than you. Isn't that in us? There's people that use other people to build their image. There's people that like to kick people down. They opine their opinion without even asking, without you asking. And they just, One of the things that I've seen in my tenure as a pastor is that when people begin to see through the lens of disparity, you know what disparity is? It's like, man, I'm getting treated unfairly here how come they're getting away with it and like man i'm you're always calling me in 
And then that be- begins to, you know, work at your heart. Uh, and then people get messed up. People leave. Uh, people get tired of confrontation, like Pastor, what Pastor Ruben was saying. Uh, we know the scriptures. Uh, you know, hey, uh, you, Jesus says they slap you on one side or you turn the other side. And some people said, man, I turned this cheek. I turned that cheek. I turned this cheek. I turned that cheek. I don't have any more cheeks to turn. <laughs> Done. Done. And people leave. And then we go through the impasse syndrome. You know what the impasse syndrome is? You know, you've got one party here adamant about their position. And you've got this person here adamant about their position. They're at an impasse. Nobody's submitting. Nobody's communicating. This right here, submission is the axis. A-X-I-S, not the axis transportation. A-X-I-S, this is the hub. This is the axis of all the teachings that we've gone so far. You cannot go and forgive somebody unless you're submitted to the Spirit of God. You cannot go and communicate to somebody unless you're submitted to the authority of Christ. This is the hub. This is it. I told you this is the crossing point. People that come at an impasse, they they don't want to give in. They don't want to submit. Ravi Zachariah is one of the awesome Christian apologists. Lost another one this year. This year was not a very good year. He says we have the right to believe in anything that we want to believe in, but it doesn't mean that everything that we believe in is right. Some people think, man, I'm right. And then this guy says, well, I'm right. And we go on and we go back and forth. Nobody is submitting. And people need to be revealed. Say, hey, this is a good thing. This is a good truth. It's been right before us all this time. Submission. To whom do we need to be submitted to? Number one, to God. James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Submit, guys. We know that. We also know that we're to submit to civil authority. We're doing that right now. I got to go here. Because like I said, some have these flashbacks when I said submission. I need to go there. We're also to submit to our leaders in the church. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men, uh, that men, as men who must give an account. I'm going to whittle this, cut this down a little bit. You know, I can empathize on your side. I've been a disciple. I can empathize being a pastor. I can empathize. The word empathize, as Pastor Ruben uh, uh, said Sunday, empathize is to put your, sh- your shoes on somebody else. I can empathize for those that have lost their father and their mother. I can empathize. I can go in your shoes. I can empathize to that one uh, who have lost their spouse. The spouse of your youth, Ren was 21, I was 27. After 28 years and four months of marriage, I know I can empathize. Submission to headship, can I just go there real quick? Some of you guys have problem with submitting to one leader. You know, Pastor Richard, at this time, he's my seventh pastor. Seven. 
technically six, but this will be the second time that I'll be under his leadership. Do you know how many ways I've learned how to screw a bulb? To George, you screw the bulb clockwise. But one pastor says, no, George, we can do ministry this way. Another one says, we can do ministry this way. Another one says, we can do ministry this way. We can do ministry this way. And then, man, what would I do? Well, I have to submit to the one that I'm under at that time. But he said, I learned this. I'm a cross-pollination of six men, six different leadership styles, six different... uh, uh, styles and strengths and weaknesses you know what's kept me is like man i'm gonna submit i submit myself to god to their authority and it's helped me out i gotta go we're to submit to each other as well let me i I gotta i I have to put this in Uh, talking about leadership submitting to leadership I had to submit to the leadership, been submitting to leadership, Pastor Sergio Romo, for a long time. He's my first pastor. Loved the man to death. He's like my second dad. And um, I, gotta, I, I have to concise this story. When we came back from the Philippines, I acquired something that was detrimental to my health. Leadership brought me back. And then we were kind of like here, you know, kind of like in the wilderness for a while. And then a conference comes, and Pastor Sergio says, George, I'd like to talk to you, uh, you know, t- tomorrow. That was a... Wednesday, I believe, Wednesday, Wednesday, when he spoke to me, he spoke to his office, and his office said, uh, on a Thursday, and uh, man, uh, I, I said, when I woke up that morning, I said, God, I'm submitted to you, I'm always submitted to you, my heart, my loyalty is always to you, but God, uh, whatever these men, my leadership, my authority say, whatever they offer me, whatever they give me, I'm going to believe that's from you, because I'm submitted to them, and to you, and then I'm submitted to them, so I go to this office with Pastor Sergio, and he goes, Georgia, you know, what do you want to do, you know, if you don't do anything, you know, I, I believe it's, you know, you're going to die, so to speak. I, I can't unpack all the story, but I told him in my heart, I wanted to go back to the Philippines. Die or not, I'm going back to the Philippines. That was my heart. I told him, man, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm not done in the Philippines. Uh, and, you know, he's just like, mm, you know. And I'm crying. I'm pounding the door at his desk. Pastor Sergio, man, you got to bring me back. You got to bring me back. You got to put me back. Uh, moco local. It's flowing, baby. It's like, man, it, it's just there. It's on. It was a showdown with, uh, you know, the Sergio Corral, so to speak. Uh, I'm passionately pleading. Uh, Pastor Sergio, you've got to put me back. You got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I'm crying. That's my passion. And you know, Pastor Sergio, cool as eyes. He looks at me like this. I was going to say with his beady eyes. No, he doesn't have beady eyes. He's got smallish, beautiful eyes. Pastor Sergio, you've got beautiful, smallish eyes. And he looked at me. He looked at me, you know, with his beautiful, smallish eyes. I'm crying. I'm passionately, passionately. You've got to bring me back, detrimental or not. I'm going back. Nope. Ain't happening, George. You want to talk about drama? It was drama. Then he says, well, uh, you're not going there. ain't happening. How about Puerto Rico? (laughs) Puerto Rico? It wasn't in his brain. But I remembered my prayer to God. I said, God, I'm submitted to you. I'm submitted to my headship. And whatever they say, I believe that they have the mind of God for my life. That's how this Filipino went to Puerto Rico. And don't you think for one minute that I was mad at some people. 
I'm in a predominantly Hispanic fellowship. And they send the Filipino? Where's the submission? Whew, I finally got that out. Man, after all these years. If there's a picture of my life, my family, my wife, it's this. My life has always been submitted to God first. Submitted to my headship. Because it's biblical. I've always had a say-so. I live this message. It's not a bad thing. If I can have the platform come, I've got one more for you. Okay, here's the rhema. I want the platform. They come. You play. And here's the rhema word for you tonight. Write this down. Purpose. Rather, positions change. But purpose does not change. Positions change. But purpose does not change. My life. I've seen ministry in many different positions. As a young man, just like some of these young men here, I've seen it in the position as a head usher, as a Bible study leader, as a DIA leader, as a song leader, and at times all at the same time because when you have a small church, you put on many hats. I've seen ministry in the position of a pioneer pastor, a missionary pastor, I've seen ministry in the position of a lead pastor, an assistant pastor. Just this year, my position changed again. I was a lead pastor, but I had to take care of a sickly wife. So headship that I trust said, George, it would just be better enough if you just take care of your wife. So I became a full-time father to my kids. I became a full-time husband to my wife from a husband to a caregiver, to a widower. My positions changed, had been changing. And when Pastor, Sir, Pastor Richard called and said, George, how are you doing? There were things he wanted to unpack about perhaps helping you guys out on Wednesdays, but I had to unpack my heart. I told him, Pastor Richard, I need to say this first uh, before, uh, you know, you, you say what you say. Uh, I need to tell you that when I was taking care of my wife, uh, you know, for these months, uh, you know, something died in me. Ministry died in me. That's how I saw it. I didn't want to have nothing to do with ministry. I saw my wife whittled down. And that was my passion, was just taking care of this woman, the love of my life, uh, the, 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 the wife of my youth. Ministry died. Pastor Richard said, he said graciously what he said. And in essence, what he was saying is, George has always been there. It's still there. And for me, to stand before you on a second night. My positions in life has changed, but my purpose has not, just like yours has not. You may feel like you're demoted. 
You may feel like life has changed. Your position has changed. You're no longer the man or you're no longer uh, wherever, whatever it may be. Uh, purpose does not change. We were made with a purpose for a purpose. And some of you, you can love again. God just has to unveil your heart. The people that want to come back, aren't we praying for them to come back? God has to unveil our hearts once again. The answer has always been there. People were telling me all along, I've got pastor friends saying, Pastor George, you're not done. While taking care of my life, you're not done. Saying God still has things for you. I could not see it. I could not see it. But now I can. Perhaps there's a couple more chapters. Perhaps there's a couple more chapters. Perhaps new ministries. What has veiled your heart? That you can't see the very purpose of life? The very purpose for your life that God has put in there in Jeremiah? I know the plans that I have for you. Father, would you unveil the hearts of your people so we can see what we need to see. As you bow your heads, you close your eyes. I want to make a plea for those that don't know Christ and you're aimlessly walking around and you feel like you don't have purpose or passion. You feel you're just lost. God has a purpose for you. One of the very main things that you can enjoy life and that life comes through Jesus Christ real quickly. Anyone here tonight, you've lost your purpose in life or you don't have a purpose in life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He can give you life tonight. Anyone here tonight, can I see any hands that want to accept Christ as their Savior? You want to see purpose in your life? You want passion back in your life? Help me out, somebody. Kind of hard to see through the lights. Anybody? There's one. Somebody's pointing to my left. Anybody else in the back? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Anybody else here tonight? Anybody else? Okay. Can I have a worker go to that person? This is what I want to do. I want to concentrate on our church and even those that may be watching. Could you close your eyes, please? The answer is there. What is it that God has to unveil in you? We're always blaming the next person. But sometimes it's us. And yes, it probably is them too. But this is the whole thing. We're at an impasse. People are no longer submitting one to another. They're not submitting to God. They're not submitting to the Holy Spirit. They're not submitting to leadership. And this has failed the very eyes of the people of God. No wonder there's no power. No wonder things aren't happening. People are no longer seeking, but yet much more they are being veiled in their hearts. What has failed your heart? Man, can we have passion back? Enough! Enough with the infighting. That's what's taking place in this world. People are fighting one another. Church, enough with infighting. Enough! 
we need is we need to be submitted to God, His authority. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God has been wanting to move desperately. I say that. I'm a man that has been submitted to the Spirit of God. I tell you, man, uh, Pastor Tom blew my mind one time. He said, how can you say you love Jesus if you don't love the Word? Man, that just blew my, my heart. And I would like to add to that today. How can you say you love Jesus if you don't love the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus said, I will give you another comforter. The word another is the word allos. Allos means the very same kind. How can we, man, not love Jesus? How can we say we love Jesus and not show our passion for worship, our passion? When George, when you see Pastor George bouncing around, that's not a show, man. That's me. I've been passionately after the Holy Spirit for a very long time. Can I have you stand to your feet? Can I have you lift up your hands to the heavens? Can we have revival? Can there be sacrifice under these tents? Because if there's sacrifice, there will be fire. Would you say, God, let me be submitted to you, first of all. Let me be submitted to your authority. Let me be submitted to your Holy Spirit. Let me be submitted to my leadership. Enough is enough. Church is powerless. 